Well, we know, uh, as uh, it's been indicated in news and media and ESPN and everywhere else, that uh, this Sunday is what's called Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, there's a football game that'll start uh, about 6.30, about an hour from now, I suppose, and two teams will, will hit the field. And uh, one of those teams uh, are quarterbacked by Mr. Brady, and uh, I can't remember the name of his team, but nonetheless, he's the quarterback. And the other one, of course, is the, uh, is the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, so uh, they're going to be there. Now, politically correct, you know, here, here's Miss Susie Q, politically correct. You know, at the end of the game tonight, Miss Susie Q, who's politically correct, is going to go up to them and said, y'all are both winners. You're just both winners, you know. You did your best, and you're, you're both winners. And they're going to send Miss Susie Q back down to Augusta and say, get lost, Miss Susie Q. There's only one winner and one loser. Now, right now, they're both winners. Amen? They made it in their league, top of their league. Here they are. But they're about to meet an opponent that says, I'm better than you are. There's going to be one winner, and uh, for every win, uh, we know that there is, there is a loser. All right? An absolute loser. Now, you might say, well, is a loser a failure? It's according to who you talk to. Uh, failure, of course, is something that's uh, very interesting. It is an absolute part of life. And as we move through this message tonight, failure is a, is a process. I want to speak on a spiritual basis uh, to all of us. There will be some after the game tonight, uh, no doubt on the losing team, that will say, I could have done better. On the losing team, one that says, I almost had that play if I'd have just made this move in this direction, or had he just thrown a pass to me, uh, we would have won. Uh, that, that usually is the, the commentator and the thought of what should we have done, we could have done better. Um, naturally, the winning team, uh, that's not going to be their first thought about how to evaluate what they didn't do and, and what got in the way and what play didn't work. They're going to just celebrate, and they're going to celebrate most of the night, and they're going to go back to Atlanta with a great, great parade and, uh, and in, enjoy, uh, enjoy, you know, their evening back there on Peachtree uh, Street. So the point is this. Is it possible that in life that there are winners and there are losers? And we know that Miss Susie Q would say, but no, everybody's a winner. That's not true. We are all created in the image of God. We're all created in the image of God to be spiritually astute and mature and strong. Mario said, boy, I, I learned some lessons and some things that happened in my life. I want to talk about the life of Peter in his moment of failure. William Ward wrote, failure should be our teacher. You agree with that? Say amen. Not our undertaker. Failure is a delay, not defeat. It is a temporary detour and not a dead-end street. And whoever loses tonight, here's what they're going to say. We may have lost tonight, but we'll be back next year. We'll learn from our mistakes, and we're going to go, and starting tomorrow, every football team and 
in the American League and the National Football, they're going to say, we're, we're got, we have our eyes on next year. Our eyes on what's happening next year. We're going to come back and we're going to play because it's only a temporary detour to them and not a dead-end street. William Barnell wrote, the ladder of life is full of splinters, but they always prick the hardest when we're sliding down. You got that? I know what that means. It's a part. Failure means nothing, however, in our life. Losing and failing and having a failure doesn't mean anything if we don't learn from it. You know, some people go through their life one dead end, one failure, one knockout after another. Just kept losing and losing and losing. And, and the reason is often we fail to learn and from the mistakes that we have made. But spiritual failure, spiritual failure is never encouraged by by the Word of God. And God's desire is that we pay attention to the Holy Spirit and let God guide us and learn from others who may have gone before us and look at life through a lens of, say, with God's grace, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to win as many battles as I can. But if I lose some, I am not going to let that determine my destiny. For between my ears is a choice to say, Lord, if you give me one more day, give me one more hour, give me one more opportunity, I'm going to do better. It's amazing in the Bible, we have, uh, we have examples of individuals that were great individuals. You can talk about Abraham, father of a nation, and say, well, Abraham, what a great man he was. But he gave in to Sarah and created havoc that we still endure today. Moses, what a wonderful man he was. I mean, delivering of the children of Israel out of Pharaoh's bondage, and yet he struck the rock when he should have spoken to the rock, and that was a mistake that cost him his journey into the promised land. David, what a great king he was, fabulous, wealthy, handed to Solomon millions and millions of dollars, handed to Solomon what's called uh, David's house and all that, that went with it. But the reality is he lied, committed adultery, and he committed murder. Samson, a mighty man, a man of great strength, but yet Delilah and the continuing drip of her influence caused him to fail. What about Peter? What was it? I've described those, the others. What was it? What was the result of his failure? You see, falling down is not failure. We've done that before. We encourage our kids when they fall down to do what? Get up. Get up. You fall down, get up. You fall again, get up. Fall again, get up. I don't know that any parent in their right mind says, okay, kid, I'm telling you the truth. That's the ninth time that you've fallen down. Now stay down because you're not worth getting up. We always say, get up, let's go again. But not getting up is failure. And then for you business people out there, and you've been successful in any endeavor, here's what I believe. Nobody succeeds in a big way, in a big way except risking the potential of failure. So if you expect to get up and say, I'm going to walk this life and I'm going to live for God and, and I'm going to do everything that I can to be just a Super Bowl winner in Jesus Christ, and you don't expect temptation and you don't expect some failure, you don't expect some mistake, you don't expect some error, you don't expect some lie of the enemy to catch you between the ears and you fall for it, you're going to be mistaken. What matters is this, I intend to get up again and again and again and again and again. There are some uh, mistakes that are made. Uh, for, for example, it is, um, 
it, it is the sin of omission and the sin of commission. The sin of omission might be to a football player. He's got a, a route that he needs to run, and everybody knows the route he's supposed to run, but he forgets it, and he runs another route instead of running the one that he should have run. That, was, uh, that might be considered the uh, mistake of omission. He just, he just didn't catch it. He didn't acknowledge it. The definition of, of not being aggressive or not doing something or not knowing or, 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 or deceptive in motive. Uh, sin of omission. Sometimes the sin of omission is far greater than the sin of commission. It's simply doing nothing. Failing and not getting up. That's the sin of omission. The sin of commission is, hey, I'm, I'm deliberately, and my motive is going to be questioned, but, but I am absolutely going to fail. I, I know that person needs their face slapped, and bless God, God will give me forgiveness. I'm going to go over there, and I'm not going to give them mercy. I'm going to give them a good old-fashioned slap upside of the head because I think that that's better than the altar. Now, there might be some times that I would be challenged to agree with you, but I refuse to say that in public because I still think the prominent place of change happens at the altar. Amen? happens at the altar. Peter's account of his failure is both. But it could have been, here it is, it could have been, it could have been avoided. There's one sure way for the Falcons to lose tonight. One sure way. It's just don't go out on the field. Hello? One sure way that, what's the other team that they, 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 they could lose? It's just don't go play. Or go out and take a knee and say, get on our bus and let's go back. Let's go home. Let's leave Houston. Here's something I think it's important. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need self-confidence. Go ahead. Just you need self-confidence. You need, self you need self-confidence, okay? You need self-confidence. Well, what is self-confidence? Self-confidence, to some degree, is believe in yourself. That is nothing wrong with that. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. God, I think I can. That's self-confidence. God doesn't get angry if we have self-confidence because self-confidence leads to the accomplishment of what God desires for you to do. Self-confidence moderated by the spirit of humility is dangerous as it relates to the darkness. Matthew 26, 33, Peter replied, even if all fall away, everybody else, all these morons that you call disciples, if every last one of them fall away on account of you, here it is, I never will. Be careful if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ and you say, I will never sin. Be careful if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you say about someone, buddy, they blew it there. I will never do that. You be careful. Be careful to say, hey, that person over there committed, that was, a, that was a sin of commission. I will never be caught in that kind of a situation. Be, be careful about that. That's self-confidence that said, I can make my decision and my power alone is big enough to keep me out of trouble. Self-confidence is a part of the normal, healthy, emotional, and psychological makeup of all of us. But too much self-confidence can bring injury to an individual and to those who have to put up with them. 
And too much self-confidence can be, can be seen as what I call uh, conceit. You know anybody that's conceited? Anybody? Anybody out there know of anyone that's conceited? I mean, it, it, they are conceited, and that's too much, too much self-confidence. But here, here's what I, I want you to, to understand. A good balance of that self-confidence with acknowledgement of leaning on God can be healthy. Peter was out of balance. How did he get out of balance? He was strong-willed, type A, we know that. He defied Jesus' word. Jesus told him plainly, you're going to blow it, not me. He separated himself from the others when he took his little journey. Everybody else, they're weaklings. They want to get lost. They want to run and hide. I'm going to find out what is going on. And he, he elevated himself at others' expenses. I don't care what anybody else does. I want you to know I'm the one you can count on. And he stated something as a fact of which he had no control over. Stated as a fact he had no control over. Matthew 26, 35. But Peter declared, that is a declaration. He said, even if I have to die with you, he said, I will never disown you. All the other disciples, what did they do? Said the same. Never deny you. Have you ever done something or been guilty of something you thought you would never do? That you thought you'd never be guilty of? You ever done something you thought, well, I didn't think I would ever find myself in that corner, but you did? What does that mean once again? We have mercy as we have mercy on others because I promise you, we all need mercy. Amen? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't what? Fall. Now, don't think for a moment that on that field tonight there's going to be a bunch of players who go out there and put on those uniforms, and they all are filled up with humility. You hear me? Every time they get down in that position on that line, you know what they're thinking? I'm better than you are. I'm going to run around you or run through you. You think you're going to cover me? I'm going to catch the ball, and you can be all over me. That, that humility doesn't often play well on the football field. You know, I can see Tom Brady backing up, say, you know, Falcons, you, you need a touchdown. I, I have, listen, I, I feel sorry for you, so I'm, a, I'm going to throw an interception so you guys can catch it. And maybe y'all can run it down and get a touchdown and I, because I'm, I'm humble. You know, I don't, I don't want to win that badly. That ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. What's going to happen, the humility is not going to be absent. Most are going to be there. Most men's success is dependent on help all of us and encouragement and strength of other people, especially of God. Proverbs 16, verse 19, it's better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. I've seen football teams play. The guys knew they stepped out of bounds. I've seen enough football games that the guys knew that the ball touched the ground, but they act as if it never touched the ground. I never went out of bounds. How do you celebrate a win in life? 
knowing that that win was not justified. How do you celebrate a win at someone else's, someone else's expense? You see, the reality of life, I think the greatest failure is taking credit for something that you know someone else did. Pleasurizing. Proverbs, better a lowly in spirit among the oppressed than share the plunder of the proud. Proverbs 24, 4, humility and the fear, and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. So self-confidence, we all ought to have it with the fear of God and respect of others will in fact bless you, but too much of it? That's what Peter had. Too much of the self-confidence will destroy you and make you friendless because no one likes to hang out with it. Here's number two. It is not by might. Say that with me. It's not by might. Matthew 26, 58, but Peter followed him at a distance right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. You think he did not know that I'm in an area of violation. Peter's personality lent itself to the abuse of power. I think sometimes too much blessing and too much power is more critical to failure than being poor and broke. Because I have seen very few people, including Solomon, who can maintain a life of humility when they have everything in the world at their fingertips. Peter was one of the individuals that he had the ear of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Two basic sources of power that self-assumed and, and attained. I worked for it. I got it. I climbed the ladder. I am the it now at the top of the eye. And I deserve, I, I've reached that place. And the other is the power given by others. The power given by others. As we know, when a man creates his own powers at his sole discretionary use, he often will get in trouble, won't he? And when you can become an island unto yourself and you think, hey, I don't have to worry about anything as it relates to failure. I've got the authority to come and go as I choose. That was the same desire and the same personality as Lucifer before the fall. And how easy is it to abuse power? It's simple. You just exercise your will over the will of God. That's choice. Peter had already been warned by Jesus that a failure was coming, and he was even told that he's, he's going to be in, he's going to deny knowing Jesus. And what should he have done? Should he have listened? Should this message register with all of us? Is that a clarion cry to some of us Peter should have found an altar and began to cry out to God I've been told by the great teacher that there's failure in my future God don't let me make a decision let me be careful he should have gone to his friends and asked for prayer, prayer and strength but what did he do he did what people of power he did what conceited people do he did what prideful people do he did what people who believe they're beyond failure this is what he did he took matters in his own hands 
When he took matters in his own hands, he flirted with evil associations, and he became a one-man mission to rescue Jesus. A one-man mission. And boy, had it worked, we would have read a different story. But the problem is, it was prophesied not to work. But he did it anyway. Have you ever done that? Knowing you're doing something you just should not do? When we become too self-confident, then we begin to abuse personal power. And here's a statement. Write that down. Tweet it. Text it. Whatever. The best mirrors in some people's lives are broken ones. They're broken because it reminds you, Isaiah 122, your silver has become dross and your choice wine is diluted with water. All power given to individuals should, 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 all power, any power, any authority, any position you have should reflect the grace and mercy of Almighty God. We are nothing unless God's power is allowed to function in us. Amen? Now you might take the patriots. We all know their superstar. His name is Brady. Right? He's their superstar. 39 years of age. He has, I think, two or three Super Bowl championships underneath his belt. Five. Four. Do I hear three? How four? Four, five. I say five. I got a four over here. You got four, three and a half. I got four and a half. I got six back there. So he, he's, he's going to, he's, he's been there. He's going to go out and you know what his team members are going to say? We're going to block for you. We're going to part that line for those running backs that come through there. He's got his go-to man out there. 39 years of age, they've run through the place. Bilicek is out there. What a great emotional man he is. And he's going to go out with confidence. But you know the greatest game you ever played is the last one. And the greatest game to be played is the one you're playing next. So they're going to depend on him and his superstar presence and his ability to read the defense out there. Phenomenal person. A genius at being quarterback, may you say. May I suggest to you, no matter what happens, what he does, or what any other team member, the Falcons, Patriots, whatever they do, everything that they have that they're good at, came from the Lord. They may have honed it in. They may have worked it. They may have polished it. They may have exercised it. But the bottom line, it all belongs to Jesus. Amen? So fear will dominate. Matthew 26, 74. Then he began to call down curses on himself. And he swore to them, that means he cussed. I don't know the man. Immediately the rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. I have a sneaky feeling 
that we've all heard that rooster from time to time. Anybody with me? <laughs> we've all heard him. You know, that's not a hen. Rooster's not a hen. Amen? A rooster is a rooster, bless God. And when that rooster crows, you know that something new is about to take place, the dawning of a new day. We understand that when he heard that, Peter's pride, extreme self-confidence, and abuse of power led him into the trap by the enemy. It was a perfect setup, but it was divinely orchestrated. These words, Peter remembered the words of Jesus. He remembered, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. There'll be some that will say, I missed that play. Oh, my Lord, I, I can't believe I missed it. We practiced it. We ran the play, and I just missed it. I've done that play a hundred times, and I missed it. Peter remembered the words of Jesus at that moment. He realized now I'm where I'm not supposed to be, doing what I'm not supposed to do. And you can hear the voice of the Lord say, and you are all alone. It's on you, big daddy. At that moment when he realized he was in trouble, his answer now do not reflect a self-confident person. His answer to a lady, a woman, I don't know him. I've never been around him. I swear I don't know who you're talking about. The insecurity of a person who has failed. Neither does his answer reflect a person in control of power and the situation. That lady who recognized him and recognized the brogue of his voice say, you can't fool me. I know what tribe you're from because your dialect, your brogue, gives way. Peter knew, what do I do now? He did what a person who's, who is out of connection with God, his answer is reflective of a person functioning in fear and in failure. His fear of the situation and the consequence of telling the truth in the right company was keeping he was keeping, caused him to falter and fail. He lied, he blasphemed, and he became furious. Any other time, Peter would stand you down. Any other time, he, he would not let the enemy or give way at all. But in this place, he made his move into failure. Fear ruled instead of a clear truth in his conscience and in his life. And when we get into a situation where we are dominated by fear, usually the only thing that will liberate us is the power of God's truth. The power of God's truth. Now, tonight, two teams are going to take the field. Two A-plus teams. Two teams that have gone over their play plans and strategies and looked at film and tapes some of, them, some of them, I believe, on either team, either one, have Christian players that are there that no doubt have prayed and 
and said, all right, God, we, we'd like a win here. And so all of them going, they all want to win. Nothing wrong with that. You see, you want the team that you are sprouting and supporting. We, I want that team to win. I really, I want that team to win. Why? Because they deserve it. Now they deserve it. I had people to tell me on Facebook. It said, well, this is what, you know. Well, I really would like the Falcons to win, but I mean the Patriots, I think, are going to win. But I really would like the Falcons. Shut up. Why? 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 Do you have an investment in either team? You have stock in the team? They will enjoy their multi-million dollars off you. Hello? So here's the bottom line. Two great teams. And the team that goes out and plays the hardest is going to win. I don't know that. Well, the team's got the most talent is going to win. But here's what I do know. There are some games that two teams can play that on this day, one team is certainly better than the other, and they play again tomorrow, and guess what? The other team is better than it was today. But somebody's going to win, but here's how to win all the time. Be self-confident. But be, be self-confident in the abilities that God has given you, and be self-confident in the fact if you function out of humility that God is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. God, you've given me so many wins. I don't want to become cocky. I don't, I don't want to become conceited. I, I don't want to become deserving. I don't want to be a self-ruling power, God. Anything that you've given me, any blessing that I have, any control that I have, any power that I have, any influence that I have, it's all because of you. And I give you the praise. DeMario said, I thought I had a good heart. Until he showed me in the Bible that, wow, that, 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 that bad trees out of a bad heart produce bad fruit. And I looked in my heart and I thought it was good, but I was producing bad fruit. And when, I, when my last two years of high school, I thought, man, I've got it. I've, I've got a great college I'm going to, university. I was a big man on campus. I'd straighten up my life to the best of my ability. But I got in college and realized, remember, I was a small fish in a big pond. And what did I do? I went right back to the things that I did before. I had to lean on those things. May I encourage you, because of Peter's failure, you and I have a vivid example of what not to do. We have a vivid, vivid example of what Peter did that says to us, be careful to remain humble. And even if you're in a sports activity like these two teams, you can still have a heart of humility and still have a winning spirit. Amen? And still say, by the grace of God. So through it all, Peter failed. You and I can learn our confidence is in the Lord and our powers from above and should benefit others. And the truth always relieves fear. What did Peter do? Peter failed, repented, got up, and moved on. And his testimony in the end is greater than his testimony in the beginning. May that be you and me. Failure 
is not final unless you fail to get up. Let me say, get up and move forward. Let's stand to our feet. That's what you usually stand on. Give the Lord a clap offering. Would you do that? Would you pray? We're just going to have an ending prayer. Here it is. Would you repeat this prayer? Everybody, Heavenly Father, I have heard your word. I receive it as truth into my life. Help me in my weaknesses. Help me in my blind spots. Help me in my future. Help me today to know that without you, I am nothing. I will lean on you. I will trust in you. I will listen to you. And I will do my best to follow you with my whole heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need prayer, there'll be a couple of altar workers up here. They'll pray for you. Otherwise, God bless you. And have a great, great, great evening. Enjoy whatever it is you're going to enjoy, okay? Like maybe go to bed and go to sleep.